0: Hey, what's up guys, Rob here, and I'm coming to you solo right now. Um, don't worry, that's not how the whole podcast is going to be, but I did want to give a brief warning that the this episode and one other episode, I don't know if it'll be the very next episode, um, it probably will be, but the audio is not the greatest So this is Rick and I on our way back from Myrtle Beach and we're in the van driving and we just set up a mic and, um, it is not a dynamic microphone. And for those of you who know microphones, you know that dynamic microphones kind of pick up just your voice that's right in front of the mic, which is what we typically use. But, um, in the van, we only had the mic kind of like a handheld, um, just handy recorder. to Zoom H6, which is a nice little handy recorder, but the mic that's attached to that is not the best for recording podcasts. But we did want to invite you guys into the car, and we wanted to try to make sure that we were still producing some content. And so we did a couple episodes, two to be exact, on uh, just kind of like mailbag. We answered a few questions. So we wanted to make sure we got to some of those. But For those of you who are new to the program, the poorness of the audio is not typical. So um, if you're new and you start listening and you think, oh man, this just sounds terrible, uh, just know that this is just for a couple episodes. So appreciate you guys' patience. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Simple Theology on the Road. On the road again. On the road again. Simple Theology is on the road again. Yes. Okay, we're a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian life, but we're not going to look at a various doctrine today. We're to just be- going to look at life. Just life, yeah. No, we, um, we are on our way back from vacation. And did we talk about your thermos on the last episode? <laughs> I don't know. Did we? Uh, probably yeah okay. so Rick got this amazing deal for her. so like I have this Stanley like 40 ounce I think it's 40 ounce thermos one of those like grandpa and so awesome I, keeps everything warm yeah again. or cold or cold exactly. I, I picked one of those bad boys up for at a, a Cabela's I think a, a yeah. meager yeah so somebody gave Danielle and I um, a fifty dollar gift card to Cabela's, and so we were like, "Oh, let's go see if we can find anything." Danielle didn't find anything she was interested in. What's this person doing? Walking road? down literally down the middle of the road. That is really smart. Four lane highway. Four lane highway. All right. Got flat bill turned backwards off to the side. Down. Okay. And he's Just in like jeans, Robert and it's ninety five degrees out.
2: Robert used to be the, the flat bill backward hat king. Used to be, used to be. Keyword. Anyway, <laughs>
1: so we go to Cabela's, and Danielle that can't find that anything that full she's. a gospel church. Okay. So, great, wonderful, they preach the full gospel, good for them, they should, they're a church. Do they have
2: to put that on the name though?
1: That was the name of their church?
2: It was Shiloh Baptist Full Gospel Church. Oh, makes me think that they're adding something to the gospel.
1: <laughs> we I don't, don't
2: do things in part, it's the full gospel there.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we go to Cabela's and there's another person off the side of the road, we gotta stay, stay focused here. <laughs> Danielle can't find anything in Cabela's that she wants, and so I'm like, hey, I'm not really finding much either, but there is this nice thermos that would be really nice to have. I'm like sweet let's get it and then I pick it up and realize it's like forty some bucks and after tax ended up being like fifty bucks so we used the little thing I'm like sheesh it's expensive but if I mean if it lasts my whole life then sure worth it and we're going through Aldi just a few days ago yeah. just a meager few days ago and it's after we already like kind of felt like we got way too many groceries for <laughs> for this trip. And so we are like, oh my goodness, Like we shouldn't even be, have to go back to the grocery store. But anyway, we find ourselves back at the grocery store. And I see, essentially, the same thermos in Aldi by their brand. Of, what's it called? Adventureland? Uh, I do Adventure Ridge. Adventure Ridge. We'll put a picture of it on the show notes. Rick, make sure we do that. Don't let me In forget. case anyone
2: hasn't heard, Aldi is actually a German grocery store all over... Midwest, the South, I think even the West. I think they're all over the states, maybe. Is it German? Uh, I think it's German. Yeah,
1: I did not realize yeah. Aldi. So what does Aldi mean in German?
2: I don't know, but it's a strong A. Aldi. Is it Aldi? Aldi. Oh, wow. That's, That's what the Germans oh. told me
1: anyway. But it's a great place to shop. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Anyway, so anyway, we see, see this Rob thing. Rob sees this thermos, and it's this amazing-looking thermos for eight ninety-nine in mm. like eight dollars and ninety-nine cents, mind um, you. So Rick snacks one and they ended up charging him like less than that. It was like 7 some odd dollars for you. And then the ladies are once again a couple days later back at Aldi, but it, this one's more acceptable because they're picking up snacks for the way home. And <laughs> they come back and they're like, "Oh, hey Rick, that thermos that you got, it's now down to 5.99." You're like, "What?" So we dropped the ladies off the airport so that they could fly home because it's these long trips are tough on the kids, so Danielle, Candace, Will, and Finley—they're all flying home—and Rick and I made our way over to Aldi and found like a dozen of these guys for five ninety-nine. And I—I uh, well, I, didn't I, buy I a only, dozen. Yeah, we didn't buy a dozen, <laughs> even though about a dozen of them would be just barely over what I paid for one. <laughs> but I picked up one. Rick picked up another, and we are happy campers—no pun intended—with these thermoses, but. Seems great.
2: Two thermos. I'm a 2 thermos man. I am too. Uh, So the best part about this story, though, is like two days before, we are back at the condo where we're staying, and Rob gets a text or an alert from his bank about how much the wives had spent grocery shopping.
1: Yeah. So I I get alert anytime anything's spent.
2: Wow. What did they spend all this money on? I know. He's like, man, Danielle, she, she goes in for like a gallon of milk and comes out with like five things, and she's like, "Boy, oh, well, that's such a good deal, this one's on sale, and so we're at Aldi, and Rob, like, I see his face change, he, like, sees this thing on the shelf, puts his whole box of groceries, which, if you know Aldi, you put everything in a box, puts it down, and, like, picks this thing up, It looks at me, and says, oh my gosh, it's such a good deal! <laughs>
1: this is an amazing deal!
2: I just lose it, I mean, I am dying laughing. Of the yeah, for
1: like five of minutes, made a scene in Aldi.
2: Rob, Rob's like harping on Danielle's Aldi spinning, and then ten minutes in Aldi, and he's melting over the Dude, this it deal. wasn't even ten
1: minutes in Aldi, bro. Yeah, it was. Less than that. It was ph- phenomenal. Anyway, fun story. Yeah, fun story. So for this episode, we're trying. You guys can tell we're in the car. The sound quality, I'm sure, isn't very good, but we're trying to look at some uh cute. Q- Q and A. Q&A? Yeah, some, uh, some, some, uh, some some requests. Let's yeah, people re- sent some requests. stuff in, so we're trying to we're trying to address it now. And so the first one, Mike sent in. Mike, and this is. Hope he doesn't mind me saying his last name. But no. It's Mike Spiriro. Uh, so, that. Uh, yeah, if I butchered that. Yeah, if I butchered it, Mike, I'd really do apologize. Um, and he was one who said no, no, share my name. No, he wasn't. No. When people say that, I don't share their name. Um, but he is a photographer, so if you guys looking For a photographer, head over to michael That's michael I, I don't know, but I saw Fly it man. and I, I looked at some of his stuff, and it's good. Like he's, good job, he's, michael. he's a talented photographer. Um, but so he, here's what he said He said, I truly love your podcast. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate that. I'm at a time in my life, I'm struggling to be fully committed to Christ. I struggle with balancing running my business and my walk. Christ, to be honest. I think theology is vitally important reading the Bible. I came across your podcast, and I love it. Let me zoom out here so I can actually read this thing. Um, where am I? Could you do a show on how to truly read the Bible in context and the character of Christ? I see so many people who say, my God wouldn't do that, and they have no backing to their claims. So, good question, Mike. Great question, and a question that I'm sure a lot of people are asking. He talks about, like, Balancing his walk with the Lord and his business. Yeah, dude, I feel like that is such a common thing that comes yeah. up. And but I feel the same as a, thing.
2: As a small business owner, upstart, yeah. happening. That's like all the more so.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Mike, great question. I'm sure you're not the only one asking that. So, let's look at the first part of that though, on how to truly read the Bible in context. Mm. So, Rick, what's your experience with reading scripture when you first were converted? Let's rewind the life of Richard W. Gromley.
2: Um, well, context is key, as they say. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I was a mere five years old, and uh, I began to read the Pentateuch uh, in its original form. <laughs> the original languages. <laughs> no, but... Moved
1: on to the Septuagint. Um,
2: the interesting thing about context is... We use it all the time in our conversations. So what I mean is, you've had the experience where you're at work or you're doing something or a friend or a spouse says to you, like, they make a comment or they ask a question. and You kind of look up and you're thinking, what in the world are you even talking about? Yeah. Like, I have no idea what you mean, but in their mind, they're already in this dialogue with you. And so they speak as if there's already context, but there's no context. Yep. So, context is super important in everyday life, and it's super important that we understand the context of Scripture because just like we can't blurt something out without any context and expect people to understand what that is, we can't take a piece of Scripture out and put it on a board or quote it and just expect it to be the right application and expect everyone to understand it. That's ludicrous. If we don't do it in our everyday life, we should never expect it to happen. Um, especially with the way we handle scripture so for for me learning about the different genres of scripture was really helpful I still remember uh, talking to a kid in youth for one time and he's like man I, don't, I just don't get psalms like I'm confused about psalms and that's the first time it hit me I'm like yeah I have no idea what psalms is about either <laughs> but like people quote them they read them yeah. but I had no idea there are idea. all kinds of coffee modes. yeah right like psalms are everywhere they're great um but I had no idea really what the genre was. And there's also the book that you always kind of, everyone avoided, right? Song of Solomon. No one touched that thing, <laughs> the ten foot
1: Book about sex. Right.
2: So understanding the context is, is really, or the genre is really important to the context of the passages.
1: Yes. And so, so some of those genres would yeah. be uh, uh-huh. the law, would be prophetic would be uh poetry wisdom literature gospels uh epistles or letters from the apostles to churches and um some apocalyptic literature Uh like revelation um and and there's probably more you could quickly do a a quick google read or google search and to say what are the genres of scripture or of the bible Um, but but what that's great what'd you do
2: i think i hit a bird oh way to go the right into me. It's
1: your fault. Into the car. It's your fault. Um, but that's the first step: is recognizing what genre you're reading. So, so how
2: would that play out? Like you've said this an, an illustration like this before, but you know how when reading through the genre of or proverbs. Yeah. Right. How does understanding what that is a, a wisdom genre? How does it help you understand how
1: that applies? Okay, you might need to rephrase your question. Did I um, rephrase it wrong? So no, I'm just no saying, like, I just might not so, be so understanding. Think,
2: think about the people both this left and right. Yeah. Raise a child in the way he oh, should okay, go. Okay, yes, I when see When he's you're old, saying. he will not depart from it. Yes. And they take that as, as as truth. Like, this is exactly what Scripture says, and I raise my child. Which, A, they're assuming they've raised the child in the way they should, they should go, which is a big assumption. But, uh, yeah. but, B, that genre is not saying, you know, these are... Uh, like, this is absolute truth.
1: Okay. So the, the pushback that some people may get either in their head or the from someone who would be arguing against what we're saying is they would say, well, all scripture is inerrant, isn't it? All scripture is infallible. So if it says that, isn't that true? And we would say, yes, it is true. However, you have to understand the genre of the literature that you're reading. So, if right. you if you get the chance, and highly recommend this, we can even link to it in the show notes. So, there's two things. I'm not. I don't have a notebook in front of me to write down Man, what we are here. Yeah, we got a
2: picture of your thermos. That's important. Yeah. Picture of the thermos. Most
1: important. most important. But then we'll also link to this uh, this confession or this statement. It's the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. Mm-hmm. So that is a great document to. Kind of define the parameters in which we affirm inerrancy and infallibility. And we are, like, it's a very conservative document uh, in terms of the- theology, theologically conservative. It upholds the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture, but it just, because some people in some of the more progressive or liberal theological camps would say, yeah, we do hold to inerrancy and infallibility, but they would mean something different than oh, okay, what the yep. Chicago statement meant. And so Chicago. the Chicago statement came out in, in a response to some of the more liberal and uh, progressive theological streams to say, no, this is what we mean when we say inerrancy, when we say infallibility. So we'll link to that. Highly recommend you checking that out. But genre, what we're saying here, is important because let's take that example of raise up a child in the way they should go and they're old, they won't depart from it. Yeah. So the wisdom literature is general principles, not promises. Right. So generally speaking, if you raise up your child to fear and follow the Lord, generally speaking, when they're old, they won't fall away from that. Yeah. They will tend to continue in the way in which they were raised.
2: And that doesn't mean taking them to church once a week.
1: Yeah, exactly. That means more than just taking them to church yeah. once a week.
2: So con- contrast that with the book of Romans. Yep. Right, An epistle. An epistle. Which is written as to the church, as I mean, there's some very clear promises in there—the yep. security of your of your salvation, yep. uh, the, the guarantee and the positive of the Holy Spirit as believers. Yep. So those are to contrast; those
1: are absolute
2: uh, rock, solid rock promises from the Lord.
1: Yeah, I think it's what Romans eight one says: "There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." Right. That is a promise. It's not a general principle. That's a promise. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, let's, let's take that example even further when it comes to the raise of a child the way they should go. Like, just to point this out a little bit, because if you're a parent and you've read that and you just feel overwhelmed with guilt because maybe your child has gone astray, and let's assume that you have done everything the way that a godly parent should when it comes to raising their kids, which there's no perfect parents out there. But let's say, generally speaking, you. You've raised them in the fear of the Lord and to follow follow Jesus. And they've just decided to turn away from No, Now, to give you some encouragement, even God's son, Israel, in the Old Testament, went astray. And he's the perfect father. Israel is called God's son several places, and they go astray all the time. And then out of them, in the New Testament, we see his birth. Jesus, the perfect son. But but be encouraged that even even Israel, who God called his son, in the old testament was still wayward. So be encouraged by that. But that just affirms you might want to get over there's a cop up here. Yeah.
2: So this amusement park thing
1: Okay, yeah. It's less cool.
2: We're still if like, you like a cop. half a mile away. Jeez. <laughs>
1: um so yeah, general principle. Now that's wisdom literature. So you need to understand if you're reading wisdom literature, you don't approach it the same way you read the epistles, or you don't approach it the same way you read apocalyptic literature, or the way you read the gospels. You just have to understand because it's like the same thing. Like if somebody if somebody says to you, "Hey, I want to tell you something. Once you sit down, this is important. I really want to explain this to you," and they go, "Once upon a time," okay. Immediately in your mind, you've shifted to know, okay, this isn't going to be a a nonfiction story that he's telling. This isn't the talk. Yeah. The birds, the bees. <laughs> there you go. This is likely going to be something other than pure factual. Right. Okay. And and not that there's like a once upon a time written in scripture or something like that. You just have to understand the the context of what you're reading. And, and we all do this without even giving it much thought, just to use that example, the once upon a time thing as one of them. So after you get the genre, we talk about this thing, um, which we didn't coin the phrase. Uh, one of my my hermeneutics professor, David Schrock, which we we hope to get on the podcast, because um, he can explain this way better than what we can. But we talk about context. So you, you got to know the genre, and then we get into context. And there's this three tiered approach to the context of a passage, and we what. My professor called it, and I don't know if he made this up or if he got it from someone else. Uh, maybe you got it from Brian Vickers, who is another hermeneutics professor at Southern. Uh, but regardless, they call it the three horizons of context. It, maybe you can think of like three concentric circles, like a, a small circle, in the middle, then a larger circle, and then a larger circle. Uh, but these are the three areas in which we look at context. Rick, do you want to take the first one? Uh, to starts those. with an L. Oh, yeah.
2: So, context of, of the literature itself. So, think about, you know, it's the same thing very similar to what I was saying. You know, if you're reading a passage and it's Jesus addressing um, the his disciples, right? And he's talking to his disciples and you, maybe you take that passage and you say this is Jesus talking about the whole world. Well, he's not talking about the whole world. He's talking to his disciples or is his a lot with the Apostle Paul and his writings to the church, where he is writing to, specifically to the bride of Christ, to Christians, to churches. and we take those passages and we apply them to all of all people, you need to be careful you to understand. Like, is, is he saying? Is he quoting Is he writing to the church about all people, or is he simply saying this is for the church? We we talked about this a little bit with uh, the Second Corinthians five ten passage about judgment oh, yeah. in the last yeah. episode is that the context of that verse is he talking about judgment for the whole world or is he talking about judgment for just the church and that's why context is really important and we see this where people pull you know they'll pull John 3.16 out and they'll plaster everywhere which is awesome let got get John three sixteen everywhere but let's get it let's get some more context with that so people understand like what it means when they say that Jesus like God so loved the world he gave his only son right yeah um you can see this a lot with like the passages, but like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, yes, where where phenomenal passage, yep. and it's a true passage, um, but people can misapply that and say this is for me today. This is God's promise to me. It's like well, He has made wonderful promises to His people, to Christians, His children, um, but I think Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is for was written for the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, Another one I haven't actually dug into this much, but people talk about the passage where it says, "If my people will help themselves and pray and seek my face, I will, yeah, what that? I will heal their land." Um, uh, Second
1: Chronicles seven fourteen or something like that. Something
2: like that, um, and people you know, they they throw that out. It's like, well, is that for us today, is, mm-hmm. or is that for the nation of Israel, or is that for you know? Yep. So understanding what is happening in that story, that narrative, or that the context in that passage is critical when. It, comes to reading through a passage, understanding what's going on, and yeah. then even sharing that teaching from it, and learning how to apply it to your own life. Ooh, train tracks, train tracks there.
1: Yeah, because some of the genres that we're going to go over is, are like just historical.
2: We're in Bennettsville, South Carolina. And, uh, Bennett. Bennett, This year's their bicentennial. Bennett,
1: it's a bicentennial year. Good Congratulations for them. 200 years. Going strong.
2: Proud of you guys. quite the place. This anyway, quite the building in front of us. I don't, I don't know if that's a, Post office or the, the the courthouse or what?
1: I don't know. It's got to be the courthouse for a small town. This is quite the prestigious building, though.
2: Maybe this is just part of film.
1: Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, anyway, it's the Marlboro Community Courthouse.
2: Tobacco money.
1: Mm. Tobacco built this town.
2: <laughs> a tobacco or lack of it's going to tear it down. Yeah. Um.
1: Okay. So the first, so that's the first, the first like uh, the first section, horizon, yeah, first horizon, the smallest circle. circle, like the first thing you have to get right is the literary context. No, I don't. <laughs> the literary context—you got to look at the flow of the passage in, like, I mean, don't just take a phrase out of a paragraph. See where that pari- where that sentence fits in the paragraph, where that paragraph fits in the chapter, where that chapter fits in the book, mm. and what genre that book is. Uh, So that's the literary context. And then from there, you're going to look at the historical context. Mm. And so what this is, this is how the people. So every book was written either to a people or for a people and it was written by someone. And so what we have to understand, even though it was led and prompted by the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that that passage, that book was written with a specific purpose in mind. And so with the recipient of the passage, so let's say the book of Corinthians, for instance, Paul wrote that with the people at the church in Corinth in mind. So to, to, to understand the historical context, we have to understand what was going on at that time and how the people who were receiving that letter would have understood it. And so we're trying to put ourselves at that moment in history, not knowing what we know ahead of time, so not knowing Second Corinthians, not knowing First John, Second not not knowing the books that come after. Right. Um, Chronologically. But, chron, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what the chronological order would be there. Where are you going? Follow GPS. No, you turned early. Hey man, nice I want to see this courthouse. <laughs> it's a pretty impressive courthouse. Okay, this is making good radio. I was staring off the courthouse. So, the historical context is putting yourself at that moment in history and trying to understand what they would have understood from that passage. That's the historical context. And then, the last one, Rick, the third one.
2: Yeah, so it's understanding the context in, in the, the narrative or,
1: or, or all of scripture. How it yeah. fits
2: into the, Rob's big word.
1: Not my big word. Um, I can't even say Canonical.
2: Canonical, yeah. yeah. The sure.
1: canonical context. How it canonical fits into the context. entire canon of scripture. Rob wants to get
2: a tattoo of that on its foreleg.
1: On my foreleg?
2: <laughs> I was going to say forearm, but then you're going to have one on your forearm. Yeah, that's what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, so uh, something where th- you might see this, like, people will say, um, and this might get to more of what Mike is asking. People will say, "Well, again, yeah, John three sixteen, Jesus loves everybody, right?" Or um, you know, ask, "And it'll be given to you. Seek, and the door will be open." Like, and they'll take just a, a passage or a verse, and they will kind of pluck it out and apply it to whatever they want to apply it to, and not look at the whole narrative of Scripture, like that the fact that God is just, that He is. Uh, where am I going here? Sorry, He's just. He's holy. Um, he will judge all mankind. There will be eternal hell and eternal, inter- eternal heaven. And so, this idea that people can just take one thing out and and just forget about the rest of Scripture and how it applies to it is is really important. But also, the the overarching narrative of Scripture, the redemptive nar- narrative of Scripture, that um, all these things do point back to Christ. So, I don't know. if This is an actual, an accurate point or not, but people can often write, write off old, uh, or um, not old, but small, minor prophet books, right? Like, who reads Habakkuk? Who reads Micah? And who reads Amos? Or, or who reads Lamentations, you know? And we write those things off thinking they don't, they don't have significance. What's so like, what, well, they have a whole lot of significance to the whole narrative of Scripture, and what the redemptive uh, story that God is playing out. So I think it's, it's really important for people to understand the whole of Scripture and stop just saying just this piece or just that piece. So we, and we would see this a little bit, and maybe some clarification came out recently, but the whole Andy Stanley unhinged from the Old Testament kind of debacle about yeah. like we need to kind of leave that and walk away from it because it's too confusing apparently. Yeah. difficult to, to figure out.
1: Yeah, he and Jeff Durbin had a conversation on what was the name of that program? Paul Gia? No, it was was it unbelievable? No idea. I don't know. Um, but he had some clarification there, but it still wasn't helpful the way that he said it initially. Um, so yeah, like when people say, my God is loving, because it says God is love. Mm, so he, he, is. he wouldn't do what some of the things in the Old Testament say that he did. Mm. Like flooding the earth. Right. or uh, causing a bear to maul a group of children, right? You just read that the other day. Was it Elijah? Yeah, Elisha. Elisha. Yeah, I think so. Okay, but regardless, so something to bear in mind is that so, are you just trying to be funny there. Oh, pun! In, no pun intended. Something to bear in mind is that um, yes, hundred percent true. You can affirm wholeheartedly that God is love. In the same vein, you have to also acknowledge that God is also just. That God is also holy, that God is also righteous. And so when you affirm that God is love, he is just as much so righteous. And he is just as much so just. And so what we see in the Old Testament is God exercising his justice and sin is being paid for and it's happening immediately or pretty close to immediately, a lot quicker than what we see now. But what we saw was that the nation of Israel was God's chosen people. And those who were wrong to the nation of Israel, they would be punished. Or the the nation of Israel turned away, they would be punished. Or if you go even further back in Genesis, when, uh, the whole race of humanity their thoughts were wicked all the time and they're uh, embracing sin so god brings judgment Uh, so so what we see is that his judgment is on display his justice is elevated his holiness has been violated and so there needs to be justice exercised so now we in with the new testament in mind the whole canonical aspect is we see, okay, yes, God is clearly just. But now in the New Testament, we see with clarity that God is also very loving to have come down and sent his son to live perfectly that law that people were violating and causing judgment to come upon them and to live it out perfectly so that now all of those who are transgressors can be made right with him and can be seen as right when judgment comes on that last day, which we talked about a little bit last episode. And so what we see is that yes, God is completely just, and he is totally right to do the things that he does, but he's also completely loving. And even though we deserve the things that, some of the things that we see in the Old Testament, there he has provided a way of escape in Christ. And so we can affirm, yes, God
0: is love.
1: God is also just, God is also righteous, God is also holy, and, and we shouldn't shy away from those things, because that's who he is. And when we better understand those things, we better understand him, and we better understand who we are. There's uh, an image of uh, kind of two diagonal lines, kind of like the, the greater than or the less uh, than sign you know, I'm talking about. Um, crocodiles. Yeah, exactly. Where at the beginning of conversion, you're at that point where they connect and then as you grow in your understanding upward of who God is you also grow in your understanding downward of how sinful we are mm. and so we can see as we grow in our understanding of who God is, we also grow in our understanding of who we are, and as we see who God is we see how good he is in all the things that he does and how wicked we are in the things that we do Right, man 93 degrees out, man Ooh, a, little, scorching. a little warm Okay, so that's that. I mean, that's... we I mean already like 30 minutes in. Oh, man. The journey. Do we want to do this in uh, two episodes? Do we want to talk about...
2: Well, I just want to comment to what Mike was saying when people have an issue with, like, you know, why God would do that. I think it's a good thing for all believers to think is, who is your... Who is God? I mean, who is your God?
1: Yeah. You, you know, and let's... Is he made in your image? Right. Is, is he there to
2: serve you? Or is he there to... Has he redeemed you and? Lavishing His grace and His love, and giving you abundant life, but it's not there to serve you.
0: And,
1: and Rob well, Okay, I'll, I'll take this one. Okay. Um, just what I was to gonna this, say. What? Just <laughs> so wanna get this point in. And when people say, "My God wouldn't do that," a good follow-up question would be based off of what? Hmm. Like, okay, so you're saying that based off of the fact that He is love. Okay, you got that understanding of God. From Scripture, so right. let's continue to look at Scripture and see yeah. what else it says about it Because mm. we can't say yes to this and no to that when it's coming from the same source. Mm. Words right out of my mouth. Well, you can elaborate a little bit. No, I just. I, I want to take but, your thunder, baby. Uh,
2: he took it. Lightning in my thunder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of people truly understanding who God is and understanding who they are in relation to God. And we, we talk about this a lot, but it's just this—the reality. That we are sinful, um, yet God loved us, redeemed us, um, desires, longs for, craves a relationship with us, and He will perfect us. Uh, that's then the promise we're given in Philippians one six. Um, so, with all that in mind, uh, a great opportunity to help show people who God is, and, and just kind of start taking them to passages about who God is and. It's a slow work. Usually if people, if their image of who God is is very, you know, fanciful. He, he's, just, he's loving and he's gracious and he provides for me. And, you know, um, But shallow, it's a great opportunity to begin a, a kind of a, a long work with him of just revealing who God is, and encouraging them.
1: Yeah, and, so, I, and I once... I've heard this phrase. Patient. Yeah, definitely be patient with that. But I've also heard the phrase that... If the God of Scripture never offends you, then you're probably not understanding who the God of Scripture is. Yeah. Because naturally we are not going to agree with everything right from the get-go about who God is, because it's contrary to our natural selves. That's why there's that that separation between us, because God is holy and we are not. Mm. And so we're going to read things in scripture that we're like, ooh, we're like my flesh doesn't like that.
2: You think about your own parent like what gets a parent who just gets, gives a kid everything they want yeah like not much yeah like that's not really gonna get anywhere mm-hmm. super destructive product at the end yeah in the same way as, a, as our father he, he, he gives us what we need because he's wise and he, he knows those things yeah
1: um, anyway cool so do we cool. want to go to this next thing or do we want to see that for another episode we'll, we'll do that on another episode Okay, so Mike, thanks for sending in Mike the question. What's the What's the great his, question? His
2: photography website again?
1: It's michaeldavidphotography.com. 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 and he is Very not first here. Yeah, he is not sponsoring this episode in any way, uh, but we just want to thank him for thank you, Mike, for sending that in, and so his little little thank you, will Thanks, Mike. We'll promo your your website. Oh, so, wow. we can, and, I, and I have looked at his stuff. He's good. We expect to check. He's good, guys. By the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Okay, that's it for us. Thanks there. for hanging in with us on the on the dicey party. Off. Yeah. Exactly. Peace. Peace out.